The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world whose ballpark proposal is to move the fences in. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, will you marry me? Uh, no, but I appreciate the suggestion, the proposal, the offer, the ask. Uh, yeah. We are in a hotel room in Seattle, Washington, where the stars will be uh, descending upon this great city in the Pacific Northwest in a matter of days. We are the first ones here just to make sure that it's safe for everybody. Not all the stars, though. No. And we will talk about some <laughs> of the replacements who will be headed to Seattle for the Midsummer Classic on Tuesday. We will give a little brief preview of the New York Mets San Diego Padres in the Misery Bowl. Two disasters enter. One leaves happy and one leaves sad. That series is taking place this weekend. The Orioles beat the Yankees 14-1. The Reds mopped on the road. Carlos Rodon and Alec Manoa are back. And an email about Michael Rubin's white party. But, Jordan, let's begin with the underwhelming showdown. The mm. New York Mets and the San Diego father figures. But there is a version of this that would be a lot even worse. I mean, I'm so excited. I, I always love series like this where both fan bases are kind of coming in on edge. But because both teams, the Mets and the Padres, two teams, who are were these the two teams with the highest expectations coming into the season? Would you say so? Yes. Whether it was whether it was you know appropriate or not, I think yes. I think these were the two teams. That doesn't mean that they were the two best teams coming into the year. Right. But when you consider how their off seasons were, and you consider kind of how all-in both ownerships have decided to go, which is great. We support that. Um, this is not – 41 and 46 is not where we thought either these teams would be as we head into the break. And now we have this great opportunity in San Diego for either team to head into the break on either uh, we got this, we're going to get back into this thing, or the season's over and we have to trade all of our good players now uh, vibe, which I'm very excited about. That That, that has to happen. And part of what makes this series so fun is because of those expectations, right? Over the offseason, the owners of these clubs, Steve Cohen and Peter Seidler, spent not their life savings because they're very rich men, but quite a chunk of change on these teams. And then the package showed up at their apartment, and it was not what they paid for. Certainly not. Both of these teams have underwhelmed all season long, and they've done so in just a bizarre way where they just can't really get – going mm -hmm. and we finally this week with them both you know sweeping decent teams you know in the angels and the angels are in shambles but like you know beating arizona in arizona is no no small feat there uh, by the mets and you've seen right glimpses but it's never they've neither team has been able to string it together for more than even two games at a time even though they've been pretty healthy like it's not like you can point i know machado was hurt but like, who are you really pointing? I guess, I guess the, the the pitchers for the Mets early on. But like, you can't just be like, oh, well, they've just been hurt. Like, you can't say that. Like, these guys have been on the field. The famous cool baseball players have been on the field, and the teams just haven't been winning that much. Um, I tweeted out a poll uh, a couple weeks ago when they had the same record. Who was more disappointing? And I'm curious your take on this. The Mets won the poll 
barely 52 percent i i totally disagree i think it's easily the padres i think you could see the 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 mets roster and see how old it was you kind of see the the creaks and and be like oh this is a little shaky here and you could see kind of the regression and the fact that they they really brought everybody back and then brought in verlander so it's not like oh we didn't see the upside whereas this padres team i mean you just looked at the lineup and i saw them in person in cincinnati you know last week for what was probably the, the the bottom point of their season with that spencer steer extra innings walk off and you just look at the lineup you're like how how can this team how can this offense be so blah and that's just been the case the thing for me is this right the mets fans mets fans genuinely believe that they are the most cursed fan base in the history of sports right mm-hmm. they do believe that and they're a relatively cursed fan base. I would say that weird things happen to the Mets. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, 1986, relatively, is not actually that long mm-hmm. compared to some other droughts mm-hmm. in baseball history. And over the last two decades, Mets fans have gotten to watch compelling, meaningful baseball at a relatively consistent rate. Like, mm-hmm. the Mets are good or have been good, like, every couple of years, right? 2015, mm-hmm. last season, I know they flamed out of the playoffs but this year if the Mets like were a disaster it'd be like oh well they were a disaster they'll be good a couple years for the Padres it's different right this team this organization this franchise was so nothing it was pointless it was a a husk a carcass (laughs) of a baseball team for basically its entire history save for the run I guess in 1998 to the World Series and for once San Diegans can get excited. They sell out the stadium to introduce Xander Bogarts. <laughs> right? Well, and just put him like on the same stage with his new friends and have them all in these photos. And but but I think that it's not just the offseason, but how last season ended also I think speaks to a lot of how weird it is to watch them relative to the Mets. Because sure, the Mets did win 101 games last year. They were a good team, but the taste that they left, I mean you you know this. <laughs> in those last games, literally against the Padres, right, was like, God, that did not feel good. And regardless of the moves they made this offseason to kind of keep the group intact, there was just this sense of like, oh, like maybe this isn't the group that's going to do it. Whereas the Padres, I know that they ultimately lost to the Phillies, but it was like, okay, there was still momentum going into the winter. And then to add Bogarts, and then it's like, it felt like we were still moving forward. And so that's what it just felt so weird about watching them stuck in mud to this point. At the same time, while I say the Padres have been more disappointing, I've maintained for the last month, I still have more hope for them. And I still think that that's true. And I think when you see just the upside in general with a lineup that we just still haven't seen at full capacity, and it's so funny how we've had these, you know, we, we follow a lot of Padres fans, and when all four of those guys at the top all have RBIs at the end, they're like, this is what it's supposed to feel like. It's like, well, it shouldn't have fucking taken 80 games <laughs> to get there. But whatever. I mean, the bigger problem is that there's there's a lot more competition in the National League than they probably anticipated, and so that's going to make the second half challenging no matter what. But I still think that they're talented enough to, to get back in the mix. What's the best-case scenario for this series from a neutrals entertainment Ooh, for, perspective? From from this series? So so the worst case is probably the, the team wins the first two and then somebody salvages on Sunday. Day, right because that Sunday game this is true in general but especially going into the break where you're going to have to sit on it for another four days uh, would be tough so I think the best case whether you're rooting for Padres is is the uh, Friday Saturday I mean obviously I guess it's just a sweep right but but who what sweep would be more um, enjoyable for the timeline a Mets sweep in San Diego or a Padres sweep a Padres sweep at home yeah and that's why because if the Padres sweep the Mets at home and the crowd's rocking on a Sunday yeah. afternoon and mm-hmm. they're in those Sunday uniforms and we'll be at the draft and not watching we'll be but, at the draft you know, and not fun. watching <laughs> and the Mets are like they lose on a walk-off and the Mets are trudging slowly Ooh, off the field it's like god then, damn. You, then Mets fans and the Mets front office right they're spending the whole break being like all right time to tear down you know, if they get swept, I don't think there's a scenario where the Padres tear it down. Yeah, oh, it's, it's weird because they, they are in a situation where they do have Hayter and Snell who could be worth a lot. I mean, those could be two of the best pieces available if they were to go that way. But I just I just can't see that happening. So at the same time, the other fun part about this from a neutral perspective is like they're both 41 and 46. So even if they sweep, even if one team sweeps – 
<laughs> There's still two games under uh, going into the break, which is which is funny again when you consider the expectations and circumstances. But you know, you'll still you'll still take that momentum, and I think uh, I think yeah. So I guess I guess a sweep on either side would be good, or even like a a Friday Sunday uh, series win. Give me a sweep, sweep, yeah. sweep, 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 sweep. That's, what uh, we'll see. That's one of them, several uh, interesting series going on this weekend. We'll get to some of the other ones later on in the show. Last night, mm-hmm. the Baltimore Orioles beat the New York Yankees 14-1. to That victory does not undo decades of trauma and imbalance in that relationship. A relationship where Orioles fans look at Yankees fans and they say, it's a rivalry, and Yankees fans look back and say, who are you? But it was a cathartic experience nonetheless for me, someone who has been an Orioles fan his entire life. 14 to one, Gunnar Henderson had four hits in the first four innings. Luis Severino got bombed out early on. The Yankees dropped a routine pop-up in the infield due to a miscommunication. People booed. It was an absolute scene. IKF pitched for the fourth time this season. So, uh, for Yankees bullpen that's until this week has been the best in baseball. So, kind of a kind of a weird stretch there. Um, yeah, I mean, this is you know twenty hits. You know, we got O'Hearn getting in on the on the action. Colton Kowser, who who made his debut this week. You know, he's the only guy in the lineup without a hit, but he gets he gets on base twice because that's what that's what Colton Kowser does. Yeah, Jordan, it's got it's got to feel good. It's got to feel good. If I had told you before the season that Isaiah Kiner Falefa would have more pitching appearances than Jonathan Loisaga, how would you feel about the twenty twenty three New York Yankees <laughs> or Carlos Rodon? More on him in a second. Uh, not great. Not great. I still. I mean, again, like IKF. <laughs> well, this is this is funny because the IKF. I know this week's been all about you know booing Aaron Hicks, and we don't have to necessarily talk about that. But like IKF got so much scorn last year, yeah. And this year he's been fine, slightly better, I guess. He already has more homers than he did all of last year, but like he's so far down the list of concerns for the Yankees that him pitching is just like oh cool, haha. Like there's our there's our utility guy. There he I, is. I actually would like to talk about Aaron Hicks because yeah, so please. I went to the yard. I went to Yankee Stadium on Monday, which was Hicks's first game back in Yankee Stadium after spending eight seasons there, the last couple of which he was relentlessly booed during. Mm -hmm. And he has the beard, right? No, he sure does. Walking around the visitor's clubhouse. And I walk into the Orioles clubhouse at Yankee Stadium. And there's like 40 people in there. (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh. They're here for Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks looked so happy. Mm. He looked weightless. <laughs> he looked free <laughs> like a bird, mm. you know, flying away from his cage. And there was a moment that really stuck with me. He roped a ball to the wall in the game on Wednesday night. And IKF made a leaping catch mm-hmm. to rob him of a double. And they cut back to Hicks and he's smiling. Right. I can't think about Aaron Hicks smiling as a Yankee over the last couple of years. I cannot even picture that. And to see this man free of his burdens winning with the team in Yankee Stadium, that is not the Yankees. I felt very happy for Aaron Hicks this week after being, you know, we, we've talked about this. Yankees fans every season pick someone to boo. Mm-hmm. They have a boo target. Mm-hmm. And last year and at the beginning of this year is Aaron Hicks. Beginning of last year was Joey Gallo. Now it's Donaldson. Now it's Donaldson. Mm-hmm. Boo away, baby. That's that's a good one. <laughs> Josh Donaldson now has what is it? Yeah, thirteen hits and nine homers. So really, really special. One forty four, two eighteen, four fifty six line out of him. Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. It's uh, it, it was cool to see for Hicks and 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 again like. I mean, forget the Yankees tie at this point. It's just like what he's already given the Orioles is so we we were joking. Oh, that one homer he's going to hit is going to be so cool. Well, you know he's he's already got five of them for Baltimore, and he has more walks than Jorge Mateo in twenty five percent of the games. So, uh, yeah, he's 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 been fun, and, and obviously him and Ryan O'Hearn and some of these other reclamation projects in the lineup have have complemented the wave of of amazing prospects quite well and that is why the orioles are one of the best teams in baseball jake 
Yeah, I don't want to really kind of you, you process that yet. Sorry, too soon. I don't want to wrangle with that. I'm not right. totally prepared emotionally okay. to All do right. that. Fair I, enough. Fair I enough. I do want to talk about something that happened during this Yankees mm. O's game last night. Uh, this is a tweet from uh, at Bronx Bombers, no E and Bombers, and it is a photo of the big board in center field, and it says Lauren Raya, will you marry me? At this point, I believe the Yankees were down 12-0, maybe 13-0 in the fourth inning. And this goes on the big board. It is a very interesting, hilarious time to do that. Now, the way these uh, marriage proposals of the ball games work is like you send it in advance to the game ops people and they put it on the board and you pay for it and then you get down the knee and you, whatever. Jordan. Tough. Well, here's here's my question, right? Um, okay, so you set this up. Let's just let's just go into the mind of the ballpark proposer, right? Can we give him a name. Um, you're <laughs> well. We know it's for for Lauren. What was is that the person being yeah. proposed to? Um, I don't want to assume the gender of the person proposing, but if you're proposing at a baseball game, I'm pretty sure you're a dude. <laughs> That's probably true. But again, could tell us we're wrong. Either way, uh, here is my question, especially with the blowout. Right? It's like, oh, that's a tough look. Whatever. I mean, you have to wonder. I don't know how big of a Yankees fan Lauren is. Like, I assume that she probably is if he felt like this was the place to propose. Like, I'll, I'll even grant them that sure. these are, like, big Yankees fans, right? At the same time, if you're getting your ass kicked, like, and she doesn't know it's coming, she might say, like, fuck this game. Like, we're, we're I'm out of here. Like, let's leave. And so that's what I'm curious about. Did she – was she trying to leave, you know, by the time they were down by 10? And he's like – Ah, uh, let's stick around. No, like no, 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 maybe no. I care for pitch. If Lauren's like, we gotta get out of here. This is brutal. You gotta say yes, and you just you eat it. You oh, eat the you money, eat the cost. Because Ooh. if if it says Lauren, will you marry me on the big board? And right. no Presumably one, re- they the, don't cut to Lauren right. at Yankee Stadium. They don't put the camera on the people because right. there's someone proposing Usually every not. night at Yankee Stadium. That's true. They yeah. don't do sometimes that. like at basketball games. You will get end up on the camera. Of course, it doesn't happen in Yankee Stadium. So if I'm proposing to Lauren, you just eat it. You just and Lauren's like, yeah. I would even. You know what I would do? Yankees go down thirteen. If Lauren really cares, I'd be like, maybe hey, that's babe, what let's happened, get out of here. Maybe that's what happened. We don't know. Like, it's possible that they did leave. Like we all we know is that that showed up on the on the board. So like. I, I mean, let it. Is there a way to find out? Watching your team getting obliterated is certainly a vibe killer. Is there anything worse than that for a marriage proposal? Right, that could happen in a game I or mean, at a stadium. Again, like there's a version of these of this couple where they're amazing, hilarious baseball dorks like us, and like they are. This is just they can laugh at this, right? True, but. Probably that's not. probably giving them too much credit. So, so yeah, I, I would love to know uh, what happened here. The this picture is here is amazing. It just. Because it has the score next to it. So it's Lauren, will you marry me? O's 13, Yankees 0. O's hits 16, Yankees 1. 9.03 p.m. Seeing... Do up, LeMayhew, Kiner, Falefa, Trevino. See, that's the thing about proposing, right, at a game. Is there? There's all the other things going around, around next to your proposal that are just not, in my opinion, romantic. This is my rule Let about... Let alone the set, Even if you could get past the setting of just, like, Yankees in general. I think the worst case scenario here is a catastrophic injury <laughs> in, like, the top of the fifth, and then you're proposing in the bottom. Right? Like, if we bro, have... read the room. Right? Like, if the left fielder and the shortstop collide, and <laughs> someone stretchered off. Right. Or like the other night where the cameraman, did you see oh, this? Oh yeah, yeah. Thankfully he's okay. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if you propose if you propose the well, inning the after the they, cameraman they getting schedule in the it? But that's the the thing is is you you pay for I imagine a specific time, right? Like you you can't you you you've committed this. Thi- I don't <laughs> know if if ballpark ops is going to pivot or at least like delay it an inning. Like they can't. They got to put it up there. That's what you paid for. Yeah. The Yankees. A lot of questions. Quick. So I've spent a lot of time at Yankee Stadium. They have this in-between-inning thing they do now where you scan a QR code on the screen. On the big screen. On the big screen. And it on your phone, like, it becomes a camera. And you take a video of yourself and you wave on your phone and it goes up on the big screen. That's crazy. That's what we're living in the future. Crazy. Okay. Shouts out. So you're saying you could use that to pull off a, a more shocking proposal. Correct. We have bantered in the press box about doing it. Yeah. About, <laughs> about doing it from the press box? Uh, I don't know how Yankees PR would feel about that. Yep. You'll be going straight to Yankee jail. <laughs>
Yeah, uh, there definitely <laughs> is. Yankee jail is like Disney jail. Um, the, okay. Jordan, the pinstripes are just prison bars, man. <laughs> Up and down. One, uh, one other series we wanted to acknowledge uh, this week that took our attention is the Cincinnati Reds. My beloved Cincinnati Reds. My adopted National League favorite franchise. The Red Legs of Cincinnati, Ohio, completed the first road mop of the year. The seventh mop, a.k.a. a four-game sweep. Uh, they did it in the nation's capital, going to Nationals Park and taking four consecutive ball games from the lowly Nationals. And these Reds continue to stay hot. All kinds of good stuff happening over these games. Ellie De La Cruz getting hits from the right side, stealing a bunch of bases. Nick Senzel's making plays in the field and then hitting game-winning homers. And everything's everything's turning up reds. And I know the Nats aren't very good, uh, but this is this is amazing stuff. The one thing from this series I did want to at least acknowledge was the whole Ellie De La Cruz bat situation. Because every all everything about it... Can you explain this to me? Okay. I missed this. Yeah, so basically Ellie De La Cruz had what, like like a bat sensor. Uh, on on the knob of his bat, which you're familiar with, right? The, I, the blast motion. Blast, the blast, I own yeah. One. So there's different versions. I believe there's a few different versions of it. It's a little thing they put on the knob of your bat. And the Nationals, Davey Martinez, I guess, likes to complain about stuff often. Was like, like, hey, what's that? What's going on there? And I guess it hadn't been officially approved, or they didn't know what it was. He didn't recognize it, which is so funny, right? Because it's like. Of all, if there was a franchise that was going to be like, what's what the, what's that? that thing on the bat? What's it's that like, newfangled contraption you got like, on your baseball right. bat? It's like the Rays have like had these other minor league bats for like twenty years or whatever. Anyway, that's you know just quickly, blast motion yeah. sensors are a fundamental part of hitting development now totally. for every organization, except maybe the Nats too. <laughs> but the fact that their big league manager. Doesn't recognize it as so. What, but then this happens with other. Not where it's like someone points out, oh, there's something on his glove, there's something on his wrist. Like it's like little things. This happens over the course of a season where managers just want to like make shit up be and annoying. be like, hey, right. But the problem is that the discourse. So anyway, then Ellie Del Cruz hits a huge home run, and then he like points to the bat because later on they let him put it back on because again it was not a problematic thing. And he's like, ha ha, right? And then Davey's like, I didn't like that. The thing that bothered me about the discourse rounds, other than like Ellie's great, like very funny, Davey being cranky, fine, is that the, the tweets about it without context made it seem like his bat was being checked for being corked or something. And that was never the case. And so people were like, they were checking his bat. It's like, no, there was just something sort of weird on the knob of it. That's not like he was not, he didn't like paint a freaking, you know, uh, uh, DeMarini like it made it look like a wood bat like no he had something on the bottom of his bat that many hitters do all the time and uh just it created all kinds of stupid discourse so i davy martinez's crankiness is fucking awesome i agree it is a great character to play because if he was this cranky and made a fuss about things like the ellie bat and the nats were good and every last out run win mattered mm -hmm. i'd be like okay i mean sure whatever but the fact that he is upholding the unwritten rules of baseball for a hapless limp sad 2023 nats team for no reason he's not the manager of the next good washington nationals team right he's just doing this because either one he can't get over himself or two he feels it's like one of thirty jobs. I mean, you know, I know. <laughs> he feels like he has like a obligation to some sort of higher baseball power yeah. to make sure that everyone's right. respected. Right. In game. terms of like how he treats himself, yeah, no, it's I, great. I agree. It, it is great because you know we talk a lot about the attitude around baseball and guys having more fun and expressing themselves, and that's great. We want that. Here's a hot take: I don't want everyone to be that. I want <laughs> it's far. It's fun discourse. Correct. I think the baseball utopia. From an like a vibe perspective, keeps some of these guys around. Yeah, Davey is cranky. Brian McCann is still there and cranky. We have the character foils for Fernando Tatis and Ellie De La Cruz and Bryce Harper. I agree. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that's important. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, one more topic before we take a quick break mm -hmm. tonight. Mm -hmm. Returning to the ring after long absences, friend of the show Carlos Rodon will make his season debut for the New York Yankees against the Chicago Cubs. Also tonight, Alec Man the undercard, Alec Manoa, 
returning to the mound against the Detroit Tigers after a month of walkabout trying to get his shit back together. Who are you more nervous for tonight, Jordan? We are rooting for both of these gentlemen to at least appear like themselves. So let's let's set the stage here, right? I for, for The pressure on Carlos is a, a few different things. The Yankees' rotation outside of Garrett Cole is kind of a mess right now for a lot of reasons. And their bullpen has bailed them out for much of the season. That's starting. We're starting to see the cracks in that this week, right? And coming off a game where you just got, as we just said, blasted by the, by the Orioles, you would like to have some sort of good start from anybody, let alone the guy that you just gave $162 million who's finally pitching for the first time, right? At the same time, in his three uh, rehab starts, Carlos has looked fucking awesome, right? And so, in some ways, that raises the expectations because it's like people are just penciling in. He's going six you know, shutout tonight. And so that, that gives me a little bit of nervous, especially that and the fact that he's at home, right? I, right, I believe so that there, yeah. it's not in Chicago. So, so that that's the other thing, right? Like, and you know, Carlos joked with us, right? Like, he knows that if he's bad, they're going to boo him, you know. And what I did hope, he say? I hope they boo I my kids. They, I hope they boo my kids, right? So he knows he knows the deal. Um, but like, it, it's no it's no secret. Like, it, this is a this is a, kind of a tough assignment to kind of hop back in in this situation. Not that the Yankee season is spiraling or something, but this is a lot of pressure. Now, Manoa, on the other hand is on the road against one of the worst teams in the league. Which is why I think they brought him back now. Because on the road with no pressure against the Tigers is somewhere in between a double-A rehab start and pitching a real Major League Baseball game. Okay, listen. uh, People, yes. The Tigers are big leaguers. I know. I understand. (laughs) But you cannot deny that there is a difference between the opportunity. Like they did not. If if Toronto was in Atlanta this weekend, I'm not not sure they're saying, "Hey, Alan, can you come? Can you? Hey, uh, come on back. I know you just look pretty good against uh, the 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 Sea Dogs, but uh, here, come (laughs) get uh, Mr. Acuna out uh, a few times." So I think I agree with you. But because of that too, I do feel like for Manoa. Because it seems like they're giving him some kind of soft landing that if that doesn't go well, it's a little bit harder. But I don't know. Because, like, Carlos, it's not like he's going to get demoted. <laughs> like, we just hope he's healthy. Right. And so, he's like, so I don't know. I think there's a little bit. I'm a little more nervous for Manoa. So, Manoa, it's a l- high risk, low reward situation. And Carlos is a high reward medium risk situation so i think because of that i'm more nervous for manoa mm-hmm. like if manoa goes out there and looks like a mess and gets crushed then the now we're Blue heading Jays into the break again and we're like okay not prop. that he's sending him back to the complex but we're still like there's a chance doing? he goes back down right like if he looks out of whack it's a problem however i will say this about carlos you get one chance to make a first impression you get and, one and chance a weird time to make it's a weird time to make it Yankees just got obliterated by the Orioles. Friday night, the stadium's going to be rocking against the Cubs right before the break. First time on the mound in the pinstripes. If he goes out there tonight and throws seven, which he probably won't do. Probably not. Because he doesn't do that a lot. And he's also only thrown 60 pitches in his rehab games. So he goes out there and throws five and strikes out, you know, ten guys. That will be on the Yankees you know that could that documentary. could documentary like that, that is could a, give him some cushion exactly he yeah, will have yeah, a lot yeah. of equity to work with if he goes out and dominates and i am rooting <laughs> for our but see, it's just funny because when you put it that way now i'm more nervous for him <laughs> which is uh which is weird but that's because he's our friend all right that's the first half of this episode of baseball barbercast we're gonna take a quick break and when we return it's time to talk about the white party in a baseball context Tell you about the all-star replacements, the derby field briefly before finishing up with the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is former PGA Tour winner Smiley Kaufman, host of The Smiley Show, a SiriusXM podcast. You want to know what I love about golf? I get to talk to some really cool people. I get to walk the fairways of the best courses in the world with the best players in the world. And I get to share it with you every single week. Listen to The Smiley Show right now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Smiley, S-M-Y-L-I-E.
we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman coming to you from the same hotel room. Good for the vibes. We are here in Seattle ahead of the All-Star festivities, and we have a little bit of All-Star news to cover. The Home Run Derby field has been filled out. Adelise Garcia and Luis Robert Jr. joining the the, the party. I mean, oh, it is a party. It's going to be a party, yeah. The exhibition, you got Adley Rushman. Pete Alonso, Mookie Betts, Julio Rodriguez, and two other guys who <laughs> uh, Vlad Jr. and Randy. And Randy Rosarin. Uh Robert versus Rutschman, Alonso versus J. Rod, Mookie versus Vlad, Adolis versus Randy. Uh excellent field. I tweeted this disappointing to not have another left hander in it. I assume that Adley will be batting left handed, but if you bought tickets for right field <laughs> for the Derby that sucks because, sure, I mean, these guys are capable of going oppo, but that's not what they're trying to do in the Derby, so that's a little bit unfortunate. More lefties in the Derby ratio-wise than in baseball. That's also true. Politically. Uh, relatively, <laughs> yes. Uh, good point, good point, good point. Uh, and then we have some well, – now, by the way, we'll obviously do a full Derby preview ahead of Monday, so stay tuned for that. And then we have some all-star replacements. What a surprise. Wander Franco was added. Kyle Tucker was added. He's been amazing recently. He replaces Mike Trout. Julio Rodriguez was added. Does he deserve it? No. More than some other guys? Probably not. Are we mad that Julio's in the all-star game? No. Uh, George Kirby, he did deserve it. He replaces Shane McClanahan. And David Bednar, who uh, is also – Clearly deserving replaces Clayton Kershaw. I'm sure we will get more this weekend, so stay tuned for those. Otani is certainly not going to yeah, pitch. We still have so. more. Maybe Corbin Carroll hopefully will be okay long term, but it seems like less likely we'll see him play in the All-Star game. We'll see what happens there. Uh, so there will be more guys added, but we just wanted to acknowledge those. This email comes to us courtesy of Wild Goat 13 Before we read this email, I guess we should explain the white party. Uh, Michael Rubin, who owns Fanatics... And the Philadelphia 76ers is just, you know, your typical rich guy. He just is rich and he really likes being rich and famous and around. Like sports. Fana- I mean, he's sports. A, yeah, CEO, fanatic, whatever. He's, Would you he's, call him a fanatic? Yeah, I mean, clearly. Um, but yeah, he's, he is, um, he's plugged in. He's plugged in and he, he's got the money to throw some uh, rather uh, uh, fancy parties in the Hamptons this yeah. is I believe the third year that he has done this my sense for this here is a bunch of celebrities in 2021 were like hey we all got vaccinated first because we're rich uh and also we haven't seen each other and we we haven't been able to party with our fellow rich friends yeah. and show everybody you know so let's fucking do it and over the last three years that party the white party which seems to happen around July 4th weekend has gotten progressively more ridiculous so you know kim kardashian dj Khaled, jack I mean, harlow it's, it's, it's James every musician football player basketball player every everybody else but hey jake but baseball's in season so what what happened we got kind of screwed here that's what this email is about no ball players so hi mr cespedes i have a question for the podcast which mlb players would have been invited to michael rubin's white party if they didn't have games here's my list trout he's a philly guy judge looks like a superstar mookie L.A. superstar Otani, question mark, Mbappe was there. Fringe invites, Lindor, Freeman, Dansby. Who would be the funniest random player that could appear there? Thanks. Let's start here. Freeman and Dansby, hilarious. That You mentioned them very kind of you. No chance. <laughs> no chance. Unless Mal Pugh has more pull than we realize, in all due respect. That, that I could see that. I could see Dansby as the plus one for, like, all the, you know, U.S. women's national team rolling through. Freddie Freeman is it's, not going to be within 100,000 miles of this party. <laughs> right. Agreed. I am surprised yeah. that A-Rod was not there. Now, yes. who was there? Ben Affleck and J-Lo. And so I guess it is not surprising that our yes. friend Alex did not show up. But I would say from a fame perspective, mm-hmm. A-Rod Jeter, Big Poppy are the three who you would imagine retired players mm-hmm. showing up. If we're just talking players, former, current, yes, I agree with that. Jeter, eh. I would say in terms of like who knows enough people to get the invite, I might say Alex Bregman seems like someone who would want to be at this party yeah. and would find a way to be at this party. Uh, <laughs> let me actually also add Trout. 
I understand that yeah, Michael Rubin no. owns the Sixers. Trout is not. No, no way. Party. But but I think like in some ways Bryce Harper makes more sense just from the Philly pandering perspective. Yes, um, but Bryce again does not drink and probably would not else? enjoy this, or he does not drink a lot. I would say <laughs> you're right about Mookie. Anyone else on the Phillies? Otani, yes. Judge, yes. The obvious other one is Jazz Chisholm, Giancarlo, Giancarlo. Like the Rock Nation players mm. who are represented by Jay Z's agency. Yep. That's a layup. Justin Verlander, because he's married to Kate Upton. Okay, true. True. Again, a plus one scenario. And then Cole Tucker, who is <laughs> married to or is engaged to Vanessa Hudgens. That's an interesting one. Um it was more musicians and athletes, but DiCaprio was at this one. So like we could get but see, like Vanessa Hudgens is She's nowhere near as famous as the, most of the people at this party. Like, I would say, honestly, it's a, she's like a different category. So, yes, she's obviously – that's still more of an in than most baseball players have. I'll take so with Cole you Tucker over Owen Miller. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I know. I'm just saying, I, right, I'm more likely, of course. Uh, but, but, right, where is the bar? Now, here's the – anyone anyone else? Well, well, here's the other thing. If, if we're expanding this beyond players, like, I mean, Steve Cohen. Like, it's just like there's a uh, bunch of freaking rich guys there. Like, I'm trying to think of other owners you would might see. And, I mean, Steve Cohen, how many ha- houses does he have on the Hamptons? Like, I'm sure he's probably a neighbor. A great thing about this is John Middleton, who owns the Phillies. That's a good one, too. No, 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 no. You have <laughs> clearly not seen John Middleton. So well, no, I know he doesn't just, fit. No, 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 no. John Middleton is the opposite vibe to this. That's he is true. the schlumpiest mega right. millionaire I've ever yeah. seen. He Seidler is similar. Seidler is similar. John Middleton would not go to this party. I'm trying to think of other owners, MLB owners that like have any semblance but none of, of them like are young. That's the thing with Michael Rubin. He yeah. is like 50, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So he's yeah. trying to be hip. Whereas Artie Moreno just wants to <laughs> spend his money. You know, like, and, you know, like John Sherman is uh, strolling in uh, our propane god. <laughs> uh, yeah, or like a house Steinbrenner. Like that's not happening. Now, all that said, do you remember? The picture, one of the strangest pictures in baseball history, of Rob Manfred with Travis Scott. Yes. That was from this party. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The first one in 2021. So there is precedent here. Now, that's kind of bullshit, right? Because Rob Manfred, he doesn't have games to play. He's a commissioner. He can show up. Whatever. Yep. Oh, I don't got a game. I can show. Sure. So, like, there's some connection there. Well, he's fanatics. <laughs> no, of course. Of course. Yeah, if you're Michael Rubin, you're trying to be as inf- friendly with every possible commissioner in every league and every whatever, right? Of course, I get that. But um, just to, yeah, again, what, if you've never seen this, it is truly one of the stranger photos, I, maybe in human history, Yeah, is the Travis Scott, Rob Manfred selfie from the angle, angle that it is. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Uh, but Tatis could be at this. Yeah, yeah, if, <laughs> if Rob Manfred's not there. That's true. Like, <laughs> I would imagine that Tatis... Be- I guess Machado, too. Machado yeah. could be at this, yeah, for sure. This is always what happens. Like, they do the ESPYs around now every it's year. It's always Wednesday after the All-Star Game, yeah. And, like, there are very rarely baseball players there because people don't care about our sport, and that's okay. <laughs> Let's move on, Jordan, to the good, the bad, and the ugly. All, All right, right. one we'll, thing we'll, good. We'll do this a little quick. Um you start us off. One thing good, one thing bad, one thing Dan Ugla this week. Something weird in the wild world of baseball. Start us off something good. Rich Hill. Oh, Rich Hill. Has he been good? I have no idea. Rich Hill, at the age of 43, has been totally fine. Has he been good? No. Has he been bad? Not really. He's, He's pretty much been exactly what you could possibly expect. He has a 100... ERA plus exactly league average. He has thrown 94 innings and in 17 starts with a 4-5 ERA. It does not get more average than that. And let me say, there is immense value in yeah. this. Every yeah. team in baseball would take these numbers from their five starter. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, a 100 ERA. Plus, no, I think you're right. 4-5-0, 94 innings. Rich Hill is 93 years old. Okay. He has played for 112 different Major League Baseball teams. Yes. And that's what I was about to say. Because when he signed with the Pirates, that was the first thing that came to my mind. was like, okay, great, Pirates, new team. But can we keep adding? Can we get to Edwin Jackson? Will he be a trade candidate? And then the Pirates were 20-8. and eight. We were like, holy shit, the Pirates are good. 
since then they were terrible and then good and then terrible and now I don't know where they're at. I still feel like he could just get traded, right? Like, I mean, he, more in like the like I don't think anyone wants him to start a postseason That's game. The thing. But it's still more of like the Noah Syndergaard, like cover some innings for us down the stretch. And then as long as it's a new team he's never been on, that's fine with me. Like the Yankees are a fit, although he has been there before. Yeah, he has. Who? What? Only five innings. But. Arizona feels like a decent landing oh, spot. Oh, yeah. That he's okay. never been there. This is a good – we should have a longer thought, you know, think on this one. This is, this is good, though. I like this. I like this. Uh, the Reds, man. The Reds, the Reds are in dire need of, of, of starting pitching. I was going to say the Angels, but in 2014, Rich Hill made two appearances for the Angels didn't, and did not record an did out. Did not record an out, but he put the jersey on and pitched, and so that's what matters. Rich Hill waking up every day as a 43-year-old and getting outs and being relevant to the point that yeah. he could get that is traded good. is good. That's good. Okay. I agree. The Reds did draft Mitch, uh, Rich Hill out of high school uh, in 1999. <laughs> My good... Uh, this week is also a pitcher. Pretty straightforward one. It's Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez, has he been as good as Luis Arise? No. Although by war, he actually is close, if not more, better than him. I know he just shut out the worst offense in the league in Kansas City, but that's what you should do when you've been better, or when you've been as good as you've been this year. And I've always been kind of the low guy in Pablo Lopez, but the Twins, who have gotten the most out of all their pitchers this year, they have raised his game strikeouts are up he's throwing a much slower slider than he was and way few he's known more for his change-ups in, in miami cut down the change-ups more uh breaking balls strikeouts career high and he's just been awesome and the twins offense sucks but the reason why they're still in first place is because they have multiple awesome pitchers and pablo lopez is one of them so i love Luis arise i'd rather have him on my team but um you know pablo lopez has done has he has done his part credit to him he's been good what's bad Speaking of Rich Hill. More Rich Hill. Rich Hill's also been bad? The San Diego Padres designated Nelson Cruz oh, for assignment yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah. Nelson Cruz, the second oldest player in baseball. I believe last week he hit a single up the middle against Rich Hill in a matchup with oh, a combined yeah. age of, I guess, 86, <laughs> which is unbelievable. Yeah. But Padres DFA Nelson Cruz. He was hitting 245 with five home runs. Has not been good. Great quote from Bob Melvin. Big impact in the clubhouse. It was a tough one. Across the board, throughout the league, the respect he brings, it's fantastic. He comes as advertised. I think it's more about versatility here now. We have a couple guys in he and Matt Carpenter that basically only DH. They're like, oh, shit. You can only have one Three months in. And Carpenter, I think, has like a team option or some more uh, contract commitment for next year, which is – and he's left-handed – if this is it for Nelson Cruz, I mean, he deserves a far more legitimate send-off. I think he gets one more shot. I mean, he is an this 89 year? OPS+. Plus. He's not. He's yeah. been bad, but he hasn't been for a DH, man. Yeah, it's not good. I think he could, he'll get another shot. He'll have another this big year? league at bat this year. Yeah. Okay. I know Mariners fans are like, bring Nelson. It's like, uh, why? I get no. I don't. We don't need that. We don't need. It doesn't. Okay. He could be your Carlos Santana, though. N- not really, though. Like he's. I, I'm saying for the vibes. But, but still, not really. Like Nelson Cruz is there for like the the wisdom as much as he is like the. He's not a spark. Hmm. He's he's he is what Bob Melvin describes. It's not like he's bad to have in the club. It's great to have around. But it's hmm. it's a different. I think it's a different flavor. I, I don't think it's the same thing. I don't think he's definitely toast. And if he is done, then we should give him a much more a thorough send-off at some point this offseason. But um, Nelson Cruz, obviously, a, an all-time just, you know, latter half of a career. That's a great idea. This offseason, we should do full shows on players who are gone. A real good They officially announced retirement, then yeah. But he hung on for quite some time. Uh, my bad this week was one instant in Marlins. Sorry, Lone Depot Park. God, I Sorry. Uh, sorry, Lone Depot. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, Joey Wendell at the dish. Down by one. Bottom of the ninth? Tenth? Against the St. Louis Cardinals, the hapless. Oh, my God. How could it go any worse? St. Louis Cardinals facing Jordan Hicks. Cardinals trying to close it out. How could it get any worse? Watch this. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. First and second. Tapper back to the mound. 
All right. I mean, it serves like it looks like it's going to serve like a bunt, right? Accidental bunt. Okay. The winning run moves to second, but you know what? That's fine. Instead, Jordan Hicks double, triple, quadruple clutches it. And in in such a horrible way, like it's one thing to shank it and like throw it hard, but it's another thing to throw it over your first baseman at 10 miles an hour. And you have to watch it in slow motion, soar over, down the right field line as Yuli Gurriel comes bumbling around, scoring from first base for a Marlins win. Uh, the third straight against the Cardinals to start that series. And um, like the Padres and some of these other teams, it's like, can it get any lower? Well, for the Cardinals, who are now like 12 games under 500, this was really just the cherry on – what is the opposite of cherry on top? Uh, shit. <laughs> shit on bottom. Uh, this was just the bad – as bad as it gets. Just terrible. Oh, terrible all around. It's a It's one of my favorite baseball highlights of the year. It's a really, really wonderful yeah. thing. And, and especially because without the context, you know, throwing a ball away in that spot and having two runs come around to win the game is terrible with any teams, no matter the records, no matter the history, no matter what. But for that to be the Marlins MLB best 21st one-run victory and the Cardinals MLB worst 18th one-run loss with Skip Schumacher in the dugout, for the fighting fish, mm. just baseball art, but also bad, delicious. Uh, Ugla, last night in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, I take that back. Last oh, night in, in, in Al- Alabama, in, outside of Huntsville, Alabama, mm-hmm. the Chattanooga Lookouts won twenty-nine to three. They did so on just eighteen hits. That's still a lot of hits. It's less than twenty-nine <laughs> runs. 29, 29 runs. runs doesn't happen very often. Uh, a gentleman named John Swanda started for the Rocket City Trash Pandas. I <laughs> don't know who that is. Got zero outs. Allowed one it really, hit. It really set the tone. Yeah. He walked four, one hit, and allowed six runs, which is really hard to do. He must have hit a batter, I guess. Wait, uh, how many guys did he face? I believe, I believe six. Uh, here, all plays. Top of the first, just so you have it, okay? Top of the verse. And it's t- right top, so there's, you know. It's right out, right out of the gate. Walk. Hit by pitch. Single. Walk. Wild pitch. Walk. That's it. Then he gets taken out. How many and pitches do you throw? All of his runs score. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. They sure do. 29-3. <laughs> to three. But my favorite part of this, Jordan, that you're going to love, okay? The Rocket City Trash Pandas, who put up three runs, batting second for them, is a guy named Kyron Paris. Mm. Kyron Paris, as we speak is on a plane to Seattle, Washington to appear in the Futures game and will be interviewed <laughs> by Jake Vince and Jordan Schusterman later today. Hopefully. Hopefully. So we got to ask him about last hey, night. Hey! He went one for three last night. Oh, so he did his part. Did he score one of the runs? No. Uh, that's tough. <laughs> How, did he play all nine innings in the field? That's what I really want. Oh, no. He was out there <laughs> chasing, chasing those balls around. Oh, Lose Good 29 to 3 on Thursday, MLB Futures game. On yeah. He's like, I'll see you guys next week. Good luck without me. See ya. Uh, that's great. Uh, my ugly this week is also related to a Futures game player, and that is Justin Crawford, who I'm also very excited to talk to. Uh, Justin Crawford, the son of former MLB outfielder Carl Crawford, was a first round pick by the Phillies last year, and he is currently an A ball. And the reason why he is here at the Futures game is because he was a first-round pick. He was very talented. And he's hitting 344, 394, as a 19-year-old in A-ball for the Clearwater Threshers, right? Yes. Uh, all right, so it's like, cool. Well, that seems like first-round pick. He's hitting pretty well. Nothing weird about that. He's at the Futures game. Oh, but this is in Ugla, Jake. So why is it in Ugla? Well, that's because Justin Crawford has a 71% ground ball rate. Yes, a 71% ground ball rate as a hitter. He has a 12.5% fly ball rate, which is the lowest in minor league baseball by far. However, he just hit his first homer of the season last night or two nights ago, and now he will be in the Futures game as one of the fastest players. He, of course, has 35 steals. But I just... I don't. I, first of all, I want to know what this looks like. Yep. How this works. 
what his spray chart is. He's got a 418 Babbitt. And, like, I'm excited to find a way to ask him about this because it's not like he doesn't know he's hitting the ball on the ground all the time, but it's working. But can this work? For reference, 70% ground ball rate is higher than what Fromber Valdez did against hitters as, like, the highest ground ball rate we've ever seen. So that's what he's doing, and it's working as a hitter. The highest ground ball rates in the big leagues this year are around 55%, and there are some good hitters with high ground ball rates. Tim Anderson is currently leading the big leagues with a 64% ground ball oh, rate. Geez. Oh, but he's slightly below qualified. Oh, God. Okay, well, but that explains his season. He is qualified as of this morning, and Tim Anderson has been the worst hitter yeah, in the world. Yeah, he has. So, again, Ugh. Tim Anderson at 64%, Yoshida, Yoshida at 56%, right? Yelich at 55%. So you can't 70s. You wide. can't 70 is just un, completely unprecedented, let alone he's an A ball. Right. So it's not like it's going to get any easier to lift the ball as he climbs the ladder. But it's working for now. And uh, I'm excited to talk to him about it. All right. That's our show. Uh, that is our show. Uh, Jake Mintz. We are going to be in Seattle. If you are in Seattle, come say hello. We will be all around the ballpark. Of course, futures game. We'll be at the draft derby. All that stuff. Got a bunch of shows coming your way this weekend. We always arrive to All-Star Weekend on Thursday or Friday, but there are still Major League games going on. We already talked about Mets-Padres. A couple other great series to watch this weekend, but we probably won't be watching them because we'll be here, and it feels weird that there are still games going on. Reds-Brewers battle atop the NL Central. That'll be great. Cardinals-White Sox is an even more depressing version of Mets-Padres. And then Rays and Braves, who are, I think, the two best teams in baseball. Uh, and that will be taking place in Tampa Bay, which I think will be a better test, too, for Atlanta. Tampa Bay struggled on the road, uh, but that could actually be a competitive series. But Atlanta's offense right now is so ridiculous. And then Phillies-Marlins, see if those Marlins can keep the, you know, Phillies been playing a lot better. They probably deserve a little bit more attention on this show. We'll see how they can kind of carry that momentum from this week into the break, fa- facing off with the fighting fish. I only write about the Phillies, Jordan. I don't talk about them. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, thank you, Jake, for co-hosting this with me. Thank you to Isabella Josen for producing. We will have more. Jake's throwing ketchup at me. Uh, we will have more uh, podcasts coming your way all weekend long. Um, so make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you rate and review and tell all your friends about this here podcast. But We appreciate the support. We are very excited to keep these podcasts coming. Um, but until the next time, enjoy your weekend. And we'll talk to you all again soon. I'm going to keep throwing ketchup at Jordan just to prove that we're in the same place. Serious XM Podcasts.